0: All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, making his weekly appearance on the show, longtime jazz assistant coach, really in the, in the NBA for a long time. He's our good friend, Coach Chiesa. What's going on, Coach?
1: Guys, I am doing well. Thank you.
0: That is terrific. Uh, did you watch college basketball over the weekend?
1: Yes. And in, in case you're wondering, uh, my pool is being wrecked from the very first uh, day on. So, I call it, uh, let's quote, uh, Charles Dickens of Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Well, at least you had some best of times mixed in. No, he did. No, no, he no it's did. good. He no, it's, it's a lot of fun. March Madness is really, uh, it's great for the players and for the fans and all the alumni of the schools. They come out in full force. I know because of the pandemic, it's much different feel. But generally speaking, it's, a, it's really a great venue.
2: Gordy, can I ask you a quick question about college basketball? Because uh, uh, I have had this discussion with a few of the folks around, and uh, I I just I'm having a I'm having a hard time really loving it because it is such a step down from what we see in the NBA, and it's it's not like uh, anyone can expect college kids to be at that level, but. It's, it's, it is – that step from the NBA to college ball these days seems like a steep one.
1: Very much, and the reason why is the style of play. Teams play uh, zone often in a game, and generally speaking now, there's always an exception, but the coach is really over coach during a game. And so the players really don't showcase their individual talents to the extreme. And so that's why when you evaluate them in college, you've got to see those uh, rare moments when they're able to get the ball in space or to create contact if they're driving or when they really are great knockdown shooters and when, when it's time to make clutch plays that they can do it. So that it's a it's much different game. The game is absolutely slower, it's more zone-orientated, and there's a lot more range as far as offensively. So, for example, let's segue to that. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game. And at Louisville, he was a good player. But you could see what the Jazz saw in him, the trade for him during the draft, to get his rights, and the rest is uh, Jazz folklore. So he'd be a classic example. He's a much better professional player than he was in college, even though he was good in college.
0: Coach Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk about the Jazz. What do you think? Um, well, let me, let me uh, throw an opinion your way, Coach. I, I was surprised with how Saturday went against Memphis because the Grizzlies made great adjustments in the second half of Friday's game and played really, really hard. I was surprised that the Jazz uh, beat them as badly as they did on Saturday just given how they played Friday.
1: Very much. That was a 117-114 hard-fought game on Friday night. And the game on Saturday night, it was a knockout punch from the beginning, led by Donovan Mitchell. So Donovan uh, got himself absolutely going uh, early. Dylan Brooks is a good defensive player, got two fouls in the first quarter, and that made Donovan even even more, even more effective. He always was effective, but even more so as far as him getting the ball to the basket and making those shots. He was absolutely dazzling as far as his shot displays. He goes uh, 12 for 17 and 5 for 7 from threes. So the Grizzlies had a slight letdown, and Donovan Mitchell wouldn't let his teammates uh, not play hard from the beginning, and the Jazz knocked him out. Interesting, Jake, though. So with that said, though, the Jazz play uh, Wednesday night this Wednesday down in uh, Memphis, so we'll see now uh, what team is going to uh, play as far as do the Grizzlies. Remember what happened in Salt Lake City, or do the Jazz go for the go for the juggler early in that game on the road to beat them again for three straight times?
2: Gordy, Jake, and I were talking about this a little bit earlier about Donovan Mitchell stressing he wants to come out to play with aggression. Now he's been; people have noticed that sometimes he he pushes forward a little with a little more strength in the fourth quarter, but and he has wanted to even that out a little bit. Why is that so important?
1: What's the big deal about aggression early? It puts the defense on its heels. So when you're aggressive with the ball, and Donovan was most of the time, is that he's able to make plays off the dribble, and it puts so much stress on his defender and on the help defense. And once you enter the paint area off the dribble, the three-point game opens up. If you just play catch on perimeter where you're passive, you are throwing way too many lateral passes versus striking passes or – striking dribbles, that's when the defense now has to uh, rotate out of weakness versus staying solid out of strength. And once Donovan penetrates, he's got those two options all, all the time. Rudy on the lob pass, short corner spacing, or he has to kick out to a, a kick-out to Royce O'Neal or if Joe Ingles in the game or Michael Conley's in the game, he has so many different options. That's why the Jazz have the best spacing in the NBA. They're number one. It's uh, intangible, in but, the, but the optics tell us that the Jazz are absolutely n- number, number one as far as maintaining spacing, and that's why Donovan is able to make plays because the defense now is, has to stay, uh, stay more uh, uh, spread out versus what, coming in the lane earlier. Coach,
0: I uh, want to talk to you about the trade deadline and, and start with the Aaron Gordon to Denver deal. Uh, Austin and I were talking before the show. I believe you have history coaching with uh, coaching Aaron Gordon, right? You know him a little bit?
1: I know him very well, and I worked for the Magic for five years. Uh, he was there when the Magic drafted him. I was a consultant full-time, so I saw him play, play many times. He's a major talent that just just couldn't quite be as consistent as, uh, as far as overall performance, but now he gets a do-over. He came out after his year at University of Arizona, so he's way too young, which most kids are, but now he's on a team where he'll be probably the third or fourth option, and he's got serious hops in his legs, and he's, he's very, very uh, gangly and talented. So that was a terrific experience. Uh, get by the Denver Nuggets. Hey, we love Paul Millsap, but by the way, Millsap's age 35 with a lot of wear and tear in his body, and so Paul's lost some of that bounce to his game. Now they get Aaron Gordon, and now Millsap can bully ball the second unit, we'll say, uh, power forward slash stretch guys as far as he plays against. Add to that, they added JaVale McGee because in their world now, in the Nuggets, God forbid if Nikola Jokic is an early foul trope, I didn't say get hurt, is that they had no, as far as no big man backup, it couldn't be a bowl bowl. So they signed, uh, they traded for Javelle McGee, who gives them an experienced shot blocker for them. So they helped themselves tremendously. And Jake, the second one about this is, uh, The Portland Trailblazers, one of the Jazz Arch rivals, by getting Norman Powell, they combined the two guys they traded into one. So they traded Gary Trent, who's a good player, and former Jazz man Rodney Hood. But they got back in return Norman Powell, who is both those guys in one one package. Norman Powell uh, shoots 43.9% from three-point range and is a very good defensive player. Only Joe Harris and Joe Ingles... Has shot better from three-point range, over forty percent. Both those guys with over two hundred attempts. So he takes a lot. He takes a lot of threes and he makes them. So they helped them sell tremendously. The Jazz arch rivals Denver and also Portland. And hit the last one, Jake and Gordon, Andre Drummond. So now the buyout markets in play, and so the. Lakers at Andre Drummond. Marco so again, age 35, so much wear and tear on his body. He played in so many big games. His body's breaking down. He can play in short bursts, but they know that they can't play him at center. And Anthony Davis, who we know is hurt when he comes back, hopefully in his world about two weeks from now, play playoff basketball, he could be at center, which he is often, but he's much better. Uh, he's, but he's good at any place, whether he's powerful at or the center. So by getting Andre Drummond, they play less Marco so, and that keeps Montreux Harold, who's got again live wire as a backup, we'll say quasi center power forward to come in the game to, to help them. So, Andre Drummond is, is a guy that in jazz basketball he's going to try to keep his body on Rudy. So Here's the visualization Gordon and uh, Jake. High pick and roll, off comes a uh, dance dribble, comes a uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, rim roll to the basket. Andre Drummond has enough upper body strength and enough what, as far as a a reaction to it, to stand Rudy's body to negate somewhat of the law passed to Rudy.
2: Well, you got that right, Gordy. I thought, when I saw that, I thought, man, that is not good news for the Jazz. Uh, Andre Drummond can be uh, that kind of force for the
1: Lakers. Yeah, What happens in playoff basketball, and the Jazz are a great team. I mean, they're number one. I mean, the Jazz are title contenders. So the, as I mentioned to a colleague of ours, Gordon, in the, uh, this morning in the NBA they, about the Jazz, I said the Jazz made their made their franchise uh, trade, not this year, on December twenty fourth, two 2019, when they traded Dante Exum for, for Jordan Clarkson. That was that uh, franchise altering where they get uh, the sixth man end of the year on their team, and that guy helped the Jazz tremendously. And so now everyone's trying to... Uh, get a guy or so during the trading deadline or as far as a, the buyout market to just have enough bodies to survive a playoff game slash series.
2: What did you think, by the way, Gordy, speaking of Orlando, of their approach to rebuilding? Are you all in favor of that, doing it that way, You're essentially giving away all your players for future considerations and draft picks?
1: no i'm not no because it's not fair to the players that remain there and by the way so tell the fans that we're going to have total rebuild over the next two years don't show up do not pay lower bowl tickets of you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars per uh per per seat because we're not going to be good oh really really so we're not going to go for two years and so it's a bad sign as far as business wise and that what you want to try to do is rebuild on the fly and, but it's much harder. So Toronto did that over the last few years, and so did the Jazz originally back when, uh, when John and Carl left. The Jazz built on the fly where, where they um, that three-year window, they make the playoffs, then they drafted Darren, uh, Darren Williams, they got Millsap, and they had a great second-round pick, and the rest is history then. And so you don't want to rebuild, total rebuild, because it's not fair to the players remaining and to the franchise and the fans.
0: Coach, I want to talk to you about uh, the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference. This is something Gordon and I uh, talk about, have talked about quite a bit lately. But it seems like um, you know the West has been the better, deeper conference. Not necessarily that the champion always comes from the West, but it has been the better conference for. I don't know, Coach, 20 years, 25 years, uh, you know, depending on, uh, on uh, how strong you, you thought that they were back in the 90s. But why do you think that is? Why has there been a difference? Why has the West been stronger all these years?
1: Because of the coaching. The coaching in the West has been superior, and player development. And so the the coach is generally speaking, and Jake, uh, his the prism of, of those words would be, let's go from 2000 on, because during the 1990s, Michael Jordan himself he dominated, and in LeBron, LeBron's been in the NBA finals the last 10 years. He's been there nine. The only time wasn't in the finals, when he hurt himself with the Lakers. His first time with the Lakers. So wherever LeBron plays, historically, that team usually, if not champions, the, the minimum in, in the NBA finals. So Michael and LeBron, and again, back to another narrative. Oh, by the way, who's the greatest player of all time? Is it Michael or is it LeBron? That's a different discussion for a different day. The West has superior coaches, just generally speaking, and that they draft wisely, but most of all, they fast-track player development, and that's why... The West has been basically dominant. You can add to it the late, great Kobe Bryant. You can add to it Shaq as far as in that, in that mix also. So, so, for example, Damian Lillett would be a classic example. They draft him, the sixth pick of the draft. He's homegrown via Weber State. Then they, next year they, they draft C.J. McCollum. And so the Trailblazers are are the uh, fifth seed right now, tied with the Nuggets, and they would, they would be very good in the East as far as being one, two, or three in the East.
2: Gordy, you're talking about different additions to teams. What do you think of Rajon Rondo going to the Clippers? Is that going to help or not?
1: Well, they're saying philosophically, situationally, without saying it out loud, that we don't trust Patrick Beverly. That's what they're saying, indirectly. And so they want a veteran guy that, that he's going to pass the ball to them, to the Kawhi Leonard and to, uh, and to Paul George on time, on target, and defensively, he has enough um, of foot speed still to be able to guard most of the guys. He can't guard Donovan Mitchell, but most of the guys he can stay in front of off the dribble to, to keep on ball containment. So that they, they believe that he, it's a much steadier influence. Uh, Ray John Rondo in a playoff game than Patrick Beverly, who's more electric, more as far as emotional, and a lot of times he starts wigging out. He gets technical fouls, which I don't mind that, but it affects the rest of his teammates. Also, they're saying that they don't think Reggie Jackson, their backup point guard, if there ever was an injury, that he can, he can help them stay in a playoff game. So, again, read into it as far as the tea leaves, but it gives another guy as far as that's a proven uh, – proven, um, NBA performer in playoff basketball.
0: Coach, I understand you have a list for us as usual.
1: I do. And the list because Jake, the, the Jazz are insanely uh, incredible three-point shooting team. Just before the list, this is a segue to it. The Jazz are uh, on pace to set a record for the most three-point shots made per game we they're making right now, 17 made threes per game. And when you watch the game tonight, Jake and Gordon, that the Cavaliers are the worst three-point shooting in the team. So one makes the most threes, and the Cavaliers make the least threes in the NBA at 9.3. Let's add to that now. So individual players. This list uh, today is the total leaders of most three-point shots made this season, the 2021 season. What top Ten guys have made the most threes, and there's two players on this list that were undrafted, which tells us that, oh, by the way, you think I couldn't play, but I proved you wrong. I can play. And on the list also, there's two Jazz people on this list. Here we go. Number 10 from the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson's made 138 threes. He's shooting 35.6 overall. Number 9. Fred Van Fleet of the Raptors has made 139 threes. He's shooting 37.3. And by the way, he was undrafted. Number eight, from the Hornets, Terry Rozier made 144 threes. He's shooting 41.6. Number seven, our own Donovan Mitchell. He's made 147 threes with a career-high shooting percentage of 39.6. Number From the Brooklyn Nets, he's made 150 made threes. Joe Harris, he's shooting 48.7%, which is insane. All right, number four, as far as most made threes, there's a tie. Zach Levine of the Bulls has made 153. He's shooting 43.3%. And remember, Gordon, back when Zach was back in UCLA, they said he couldn't shoot. And again, he proved it wrong that he can shoot. And he's tied with, undrafted, for the Miami Heat, Duncan Robinson, also at 153. He's shooting 39.3. All right, number three, the world's greatest shooter of all time. It's not even close. I did coach Ray Allen, Jeff Hornacek, those guys in the top five. This guy's number one, both off the dribble, catch and shoot, guys hanging on his shooting hand. Number three is Stephen Curry's hurt right now. He's made 182 made threes. He's shooting 40.8% with everybody's trying to stop him. And number one, it's a tie with the most made three-point shots this season – with 183, Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers shooting 37.4, and Buddy Hield of the Sacramento Kings also 183 made, shooting 38.2. But let's point is this: I know you're driving right now in I-15, and you're saying, "What about our guy Joe Ingles?" Joe Ingles is 26th in the NBA with 111 made threes, but he's shooting absolutely incredible. 48.9 from threes mm. thus that's my list of this season of the leaders of the most made three-point shot it's commendable
2: jake i'm telling you the thing that's so remarkable
1: about those numbers are the shooting percentages correct so they're shooting a high volume and by the way we're making them which tells you that they're, they're Gordon, they have a, They have such a great form in their shots just Visualize all those guys. Like, say, Joe Harris. He gets his feet set, it's knocked down. Duncan Robinson, feet set, knocked down. Buddy Heal for the Sacramento Kings, when he gets the, uh, catches in rhythm and drives his leg drive into the shot, he always goes in. And then Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell for jazz basketball, when those guys who are ready to, to catch ready, shot ready, and confidence ready. And that's why they're in the top ten, all those guys. Also, from a jazz standpoint, it's emphasized that Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff, they believe in three-point shooting. And it's been an absolutely incredible difference maker for the jazz. And that's why those guys, I call them green light shooters. And, by the way, they always make them.
0: Coach, thank you so much. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next week.
1: Thanks, guys. Peace out.
0: Thank you, Coach. That's our friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa, jumps on with us on Mondays, and uh, we look forward to it when he does.
2: I would have liked to have known what Gordy, going back 25 years when he was coaching, back in the 90s, what he would have thought of those numbers he just rattled off. That Probably would have been wouldn't,
0: mine. wouldn't believe it.
2: Unbelievable, yeah, crazy. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting that uh, these great athletes can adjust their games and practice that stuff so that they make those shots, man. They make them. That's the thing. When you're talking about a guy hitting 48% from anybody who's ever gone out on an NBA court and tried to shoot those shots, let alone with someone playing defense on you, it it is rather remarkable what they're able to do. And, you know, he used to talk about Joe Harris didn't the Jazz hold him scoreless the other night when the Nets rolled through?
0: Yeah, he didn't play. He he didn't play after halftime. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but they did. I mean, rule changes and things like that have encouraged. You know, probably put the the progress the league was already on into kind of warp speed, right? True. I mean, true. you're not you're not uh, shooting at that rate if the hand check were still a thing,
2: <laughs> which never should have been a thing. Considering it affects the outcome of the shot.
0: Yeah, it was a legalized foul for sure. But yeah. if they didn't change that rule, uh, we wouldn't be seeing some of this stuff. And then, of course, you know, the more they take and the more it became popular and it really trickles down to the, you know, youth levels of basketball, right? And and we're seeing that uh, come to the surface. And And guys are coming into the league more prepared to make those shots because it's more of a premium all growing up through the system.
2: But Jake, you've been out on an NBA court and shot those shots. Twenty-three nine is a long way away, and these guys make it look like it's a routine jumper.
0: Yeah, I got remarkable. you. But you you grow up, you know, practicing that day in and day out. I mean, you've been to a uh, what the uh, the Cirque du Soleil down there in Vegas, Gordon. You've gone to see one of those. I mean, you know, you do anything, you practice anything long enough, and uh, anything's <laughs> possible, right?
2: <laughs> it's pretty remarkable stuff, too. You make a strong point, but. Uh, yeah, I guess the human, the human body in certain cases is capable of, with practice, of doing some, some things that are unimaginable to the rest of us. I watch uh, some of these uh, female gymnasts on the balance beam. Jake, I want to see you try some of that stuff on a balance beam. Think what would happen if you did? It'd be
0: ugly. I, I've seen a, uh, a gal shoot a bow and arrow with her feet. And that was at the that was at like the the Mill Creek uh, Park crawl or something like that. That's like somebody here locally, like
2: where she's she's standing on her
0: hands on her right? hands and mm-hmm. inverts her body and has a a bow and arrow with a, a dern what do they call that a compound bow and hits the bullseye right on the mark. Like Could this. you pick up a pencil with your toes? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's. She's marking uh, targets from 78 yards. Yeah, she's going, going William Tell on her <laughs> partner who's got an apple on his I'm head. Tell.
2: Is that a true story? William Tell? hmm
0: It's folklore. I have no idea. Mm. It's a hell of a song. <sighs> okay. You ever right. seen those videos of uh, people that are holding, like, tees in their mouth and somebody drives the ball? Yes, that just seems like such a just a horrendous idea, and and doesn't part <laughs> of you want to see like not not no, full on contact no. with the face, but just brush no. of the nose, you no. know, like like you just just get Barty. under it just a tad,
2: see, yeah, not a whack to the not, side not of the melon, like,
0: yeah, you're gonna end this guy's life, but just like you nearly take his nose off his face,
2: no, why, why would I want to see that? To teach him a lesson.
0: <laughs> the, the the same way that when the they they super slow-mo Joe Ingles popping Campazo with his forearm earlier this year when they were playing Denver remember what I'm talking about they yeah, super yeah. slow-mo that and it was like oh here's the part where his nose almost comes clean <laughs> off his face you, you can't tell me that you didn't I- enjoy that just a little bit
2: yeah i i don't uh, i <laughs>
0: you did it's, it's like okay. when someone's I, I... tailgating you and uh, then you let they finally go around you and a few miles down the road they've been pulled over. Yes. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. And you give it a little honk. Yeah. You're yeah. Going by. See you, you later. Guys were,
2: <laughs> you, you, you guys are so freaking mean. How is that mean? What happened? <laughs> you know, most things in people's lives that manifest as adults. It it it, it, it stems back to something that happened in your childhood. I mean, what, what happened to you that you have such a craving for such revenge or whatever it's not, it is? It's the not right revenge.
0: Word it's nothing. And we didn't do anything to the guy speeding past us. We just enjoyed the fact that he got what was coming.
2: I didn't say. I. I, I you see a few you know, uh, exits down the road. He's gone off a ravine.
0: I didn't say that. <laughs> no, he's just getting a speeding ticket. And, and by the way, as a, a slow speed limit driver myself, it drives me bananas when somebody is a half a foot away from my bumper. Just just be patient for a hot second and go around me. What do you need to be... Uh, are you going to get anywhere faster? And in fact, I'm going to go slower because you're doing that. Uh, like, I'm Jake, not speeding
2: you, you, yeah, up. Come on. You are the world's slowest driver.
0: I admittedly am. But it's not in the left lane. I'm a constantly in the right lane. Yeah, so they I can just, get around So you and... know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> So, if you put a golf tee in your teeth and let someone seven nine iron you, and I get it, and I am rooting for your nose to get clipped, I don't feel so bad.
2: Well, back to the original thought: the fact that the human body can be trained to do the things that uh, some of these experts in their fields, uh, like three point shooters, can do, just it, 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 it's mind boggling. Whatever, whatever the sport might be. You know, it's just what they can accomplish. Just picture yourself even attempting it. Hard to uh, imagine. Speaking of which, you know, Jake, you're about to become a papa for a second time. You know, when when, uh, when moms go into that birthing room and they, they give birth, that that's pretty amazing, too, that they can do that. Because, I mean, for most men, that's something we couldn't imagine, right?
0: Yeah, we've all seen the video, Gordon, and I think all of us are trying to block it out. You know, it's the worst, it was the worst part of eighth grade.
2: <laughs> what a childbirth! No,
0: the what? Are, what are they called? The the miracle of birth or miracle of life? That's what it's called. The same video they've showed everybody for <laughs> generations. I think it's George Burns' kid that's in the video, huh? and you. It's it's the time when you hear the whole collective room groan. Oh. <laughs> And Makes it's safe. great. I mean, Private Ryan looks and like a family. Right. Family. And, and it's 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 <laughs> one of those things which I'm actually glad they show in health class. That's like the point of health class. We should all be familiar with the process. It is entirely natural, but it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't attach itself to your psyche at that young age. Well, we'll we will never your, forget it, it. it
2: when it's your old own child being born. Then it's miraculous.
0: Correct. Right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just I saying. still didn't look. Yeah.